This is the Cancer Survivor Guide. I'm Penny Johnston, a fellow cancer survivor, and you've just found our podcast about how what you eat might affect your cancer treatment. Being diagnosed with cancer is a kick in the guts, no two ways about it. And anyone who can get you to listen will tell you just how bad chemo or radiation or surgery is going to be for you. But is it possible that there's some allied health professionals who might be able to help you get through your treatment in a way that might even leave you in better shape than you started? Running at Ballarat Health Services is a program called Why Wait for Wellness. And if you take the advice of our three professionals, a psychologist, a dietitian, and an exercise physiologist, you might end up feeling better than you ever expected. Our health professionals are here to bust some crazy cancer myths like, does sugar cause cancer? This is probably one of the most common myths that comes up and it's probably the number one thing that we cover in the group and it creates a lot of discussion. The answer is there is no credible evidence to support the fact that sugar promotes tumour growth. Did I deserve to get cancer? No. A lot of people ask themselves that question, am I being punished for something? Is there something I did? And think that they maybe did something to deserve it. And I think that, you know, if we knew what caused cancer, we'd be able to prevent it. And in the situations where we do know more information about what the causes are, we do try to prevent it. But unfortunately for lots of people, it's just bad luck. And could exercising make my cancer move further around my body? No. Is again the short answer. Exercise can help improve the immune system, which essentially helps fight the cancer cells. In this podcast, we're going to meet a dietitian to find out how you can use food in your treatment against cancer. My name's Amy Smith. I work at Ballarat Health Services. I work in the dietetics department, mostly in oncology, chemotherapy, radiation oncology, medical oncology, and also on the wards. What does a dietitian do for somebody who's got cancer? Well, most people, when they have cancer, feel like they wouldn't need to see a dietitian because they're not feeling very well and diet's the last thing on their mind but actually diet's really important on getting through treatment. We try to help them get through their treatment as best they can and in as strong a condition as possible. A lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about is going to be busting a few myths about diet and there's a lot when it comes to cancer. There sure is. (laughs) Yes. You must get some doozies of questions. I always try to advise people to stay off Google. What is it about the sort of information that goes on Google about diet and cancer. I mean, nobody talks about your exercise levels, nobody talks about your stress levels and it's always to do with your diet and it always makes it your fault. It does. And I think it's really about, from a patient point of view, trying to take some control of the disease and diet's one thing that they can control. They go and do some research and there's so much misinformation out there that it's dangerous. Well, we're going to get to some of the the dangerous things about diet and cancer. But how does a good diet help you get through a cancer treatment? Good nutrition is really important for people with a cancer diagnosis. So often when I first see someone with cancer and introduce myself and my role, they'll say, I don't need to see you, I'm feeling really unwell. Come back another time. And once we explain to them what our role is in helping to prevent weight loss and muscle loss and getting through treatment as best they can by controlling their symptoms, they're fully on board and wanting to do everything they can to help. 
Why is weight loss not a good thing during cancer treatment? The major reason why weight loss is not a good idea during cancer treatment is because we know that often it's muscle that you're losing. So people will often say to me, oh, you know, I've lost 10 kilos, but I've been trying to lose 10 kilos for five years or 10 years, you know, I finally got it off. The problem is when you're going through cancer treatment, it's really rigorous and it's affecting your intake. You're not eating the right foods and your body steals it from your muscles, which makes you weaker and more fatigued and things like that. So we always say to people during cancer treatment weight gain and weight loss neither are really a good idea we want to try to maintain that weight and that muscle mass I understand that weight gain can be tricky too weight gain is a really big problem during cancer treatment because like you said of the medications people are feeling quite fatigued their mood might be low and things like that so there's a lot of things working against people and making weight gain quite easy and a lot of people don't expect that with cancer they often have this vision of someone that's lost a lot of weight and they think why is this happening to me but we know that just stopping that weight gain is a really big deal not even trying to lose any weight that you've gained it's just stopping any further gain and a lot of people feel so much better when they hear that that moves the bar and they go okay I can do that really setting goals that are realistic. Cancer treatment symptoms and even some of the drugs that you're taking can make a good diet really difficult sometimes. In the group we talk about what to do on a good day and what to do on a bad day and we know that during cancer treatment there's a lot of bad days where you're feeling really off your appetite's not good you might feel really low in mood and we say during those days it's really just getting through the day so it's trying to keep your hydration up doing a little bit of exercise if you can eating small frequent meals really nurturing yourself and that's okay on a good day we might be looking at getting more of a nutritional diet in and trying to aim for those five food groups and trying to achieve some of your goals but it's really separating that out from what to do when you're feeling well compared to when you're not feeling well. If you have got cancer is there a specific diet that you should be following? No there is no special diet that people with cancer should follow contrary to the popular belief on Google. It's really a diet that nurtures your body and it depends on what side effects you're experiencing. Often I'll have people come to me and I'll say can you give me a meal plan what should I be doing each day and we don't really function that way. The way that we would work is look at what someone's doing, what are their goals and then suggest some gradual changes towards the guidelines but there is no set diet for people with cancer and it's not a one size fits all and we'd be looking at your diet and looking at the spread of nutrients across the food groups and really trying to get that balance across the five food groups your five serves of veggies two serves of fruit making sure you're having plenty of whole grain breads and cereals for that energy level and your b group vitamins making sure that you're having good serves of dairy and not too many indulgences if weight gains a problem and we talk about this a lot in the group and we give some people some tools to go away and have a look at their diet and really look at where they might like to make some changes. And often we don't focus too much on the indulgence group because we know that if you're eating enough fruit and veggies and whole grains, you actually don't have a lot of room left <laughs> in your tummy for the indulgences. So that sort of just takes care of itself. Do you ever find that your patients can become more healthy than they were before by seeing a dietitian and overhauling their diet? Definitely. I think, you know, a cancer diagnosis for a lot of people is a wake-up call sometimes on things that they were doing that maybe they knew they shouldn't be doing or things like that with their diet. And I think that's why 
people do a lot of research online because they think, okay, what do I need to be doing now? And that's sometimes the risky thing when they start treatment because suddenly they overhaul their diet and start losing weight when that's not always a good idea during cancer treatment. You've really got to weigh up how many changes to make during cancer treatment. That's why we try to do it nice and slowly and gradually. There's a lot of myths about diet and cancer and the number one is that if you ate sugar you got cancer. Yeah this is probably one of the most common myths that comes up and it's probably the number one thing that we cover in the group and it creates a lot of discussion. The answer is there is no credible evidence to support that sugar promotes tumour growth. I think where the misinterpretation comes is that tumours are energy demanding and that's why weight loss is one of the first signs of a cancer diagnosis, not always but often. We know that sugar does provide rapidly available energy and I think that's where the myth comes from. But all food we eat provides energy and we certainly don't want to starve ourselves. In saying that, diets high in added sugar are not recommended as part of a healthy diet. So cutting out some of those added sugars isn't necessarily a bad thing. What we worry about is when people hear that sugar feeds cancer and suddenly cut out fruit and dairy products and things like that and their diet becomes very limited and they're already at risk of losing weight people suddenly decide that I'm going to drink kale smoothies forever and that will cure my cancer. Yeah, and we hear a lot in practice that a well-meaning relative or friend will give someone a juicer when they find out they've just had a cancer diagnosis because there's a myth that eating lots of fruit and veggies in a juice form is going to enhance your immune system or help you fight the cancer, but actually that's not true. Juicing can be problematic if people are struggling with weight gain because we know that there's a lot of energy in a juice. You could easily juice three or four oranges and just make a glass, whereas you wouldn't sit down and eat three or four oranges. So that can be a bit of a trap. But also, in saying that we wouldn't eat three to four oranges, there's a lot of antioxidants in that. So you're getting that in a bigger hit in a juice than what you would if you were eating the whole fruit. We know that high dose antioxidants and things like that can actually be detrimental during chemotherapy and radiation so we suggest just trying to eat whole foods if possible. I often say to people if you do want to have smoothies or things like that try to make it a protein base. Milk base, yogurt, add some fruit but don't make fruit and veggies the base of the juice. One of the crazy things in cancer treatment that antioxidants are not your friend. They're not recommended during a number of therapies you might be undertaking. How do they interfere with treatment? I think everything about cancer treatment is a little bit foreign. We're always told not to put poisons in our body and things like that and that's what chemotherapy is. So we've really got to change our thinking Actually, with cancer treatment, we're trying to do damage to the body, so we don't want to be protecting those cells. And that's why those high-dose antioxidants in juices or in supplements and things like that aren't recommended. Alternative supplements are huge business. You know, if you go into any of the big chemists, there's aisles and aisles of supplements and herbal remedies and things like that. But we know that they're not tested as rigorously as medications are and we don't know if they're safe. So often we don't know what the interactions are with them with cancer treatments. Our general advice is to make sure that you tell your treating team if you're taking an alternative supplement so that they can have that on record and just be really careful with them. And if you don't need it, try not to take it. We don't want to feed a conspiracy theory about the supplements, but... Some of them are really strongly interacting with your actual treatment drugs. Some of them can actually be quite dangerous. It is really worth letting your treating team know that if you're taking something and just seeing if that's safe to continue taking or if you just need to put that on hold while you're having treatment and then restart it down the track. Certainly if there's no risk and everything seems 
safe, then we would suggest continuing to take it, but we'd leave that up to the treating team to decide. The other myth is your red meat causing cancer. Is it a good time to turn vegetarian? So there is some really good research out there about the risk from red meat consumption and risk of colon cancer, but you certainly don't need to cut red meat out altogether. It's really just limiting it. We know in Australia we often, we like our meat and we often eat too much of it. So really with red meat, it's cutting it back to about three times a week. We still want to have it there because it's a good source of iron and your b-group vitamins and zinc and things like that but it's just limiting your portions in terms of processed meat again the evidence is really strong that there is that link there with colon cancer and the evidence says to limit processed meats if you are going to consume it and in the group we talk a lot about treating processed meats like an indulgence food The government guidelines for fruit and vegetables say that we should have two serves of fruit a day and five serves of veggies. And we know that only 4% of the Australian population has that five serves of veggies. When people are saying that they are juicing and trying to consume more than that, we know that it's just the five serves is all you need. None of the evidence says there's any benefit in consuming above that. And in fact, if you are, because we know how filling fruit and veggies are, it's often knocking out some of the other food groups, which can be dangerous in itself. So it's really just the two serves of fruit and five serves of veggies that's really important. And when you're talking about the five serves of veggies, that also includes the fibre that goes with it that you would miss out on in a juice. Exactly. So we know the fibre is really important for our gut microbiome and we know how important that is for our health, but also it helps you to feel full. So if weight gain is an issue and you're trying to limit your portion sizes, eating a full piece of fruit over a juice is much more filling and creates that good gut bacteria. If somebody is already following a vegetarian diet, you don't recommend that they change that during treatment? If a patient is vegetarian, we can work with them to ensure that their diet's balanced, but we wouldn't suggest people become vegetarian or vegan for health reasons during cancer treatment because we know that protein's so important and it just makes it that little bit trickier to get that protein in on a vegetarian or vegan diet in particular. If you are going through cancer treatment and you are a vegetarian or vegan, that dietitian is even more important. Particularly if you're losing weight or if you feel like you might be losing a bit of muscle, it's always worth seeing a dietitian for some individualised advice. Helping with someone's diet is a way that carers can really contribute to a patient's well-being. They certainly can. So there's a lot that carers can do to help support people through their cancer journey. Just being that support person and going to appointments with them, but also helping to stock the pantry. When people are having a bad day, they might not have the energy to prepare lots of meals, but having easy options on hand can be a really good thing. Cheese and bickies, custards, soups, toast, you know, things that are really easy to digest. Often carers will find it really difficult that people's tastes and appetite can change from day to day. They might not feel like their favourite foods anymore. So I think it's just being understanding that it's not their fault necessarily and just try to go with the flow in terms of what they're feeling like eating at the moment. And one of the common things I hear is that people have cupboards full of food that... (laughs) isn't getting eaten anymore because tastes have suddenly changed. Unfortunately, that's just something that you've got to work with. Try to gently encourage people with a poor appetite to eat, often just going in every couple of hours and saying, oh, you know, would you like a cuppa or something to eat, but not putting too much pressure on them because often they're feeling frustrated themselves that they're not wanting to eat. Help them to remember to take their medications. And if you're worried about their intake or if you've noticed that they're not eating as much as they were or that they're losing weight and you can see that, definitely try to encourage them to see a dietitian for some individualised advice and support. You've got some really good advice on preparing food and shopping for food. 
So this is one of the things that's often forgotten about a little bit with cancer treatment, but we do need to remember, particularly for people on chemotherapy, that their immune system is a bit lowered. They've really got to take some good steps in making sure that they're washing their hands and washing their produce and things like that to prevent foodborne illnesses. Packaged produce should be washed really well under running water. Really simple things like making sure that chicken, fish, pork and eggs are cooked really well because we know they're a big risk for foodborne illness. Heating food up until it's piping hot to destroy any bacteria and once you've prepared some food, putting it in the fridge straight away if you're not going to eat that portion to prevent those bacteria from growing. And a really common one in cancer treatment is avoiding egg flips. We get the message across to people that they need to eat more protein and then suddenly people come in and say, I'm eat, I'm, you know, I'm making up some egg flips with raw eggs. So that can be a real danger. So we often say during cancer treatment, no egg flips. We'll get the protein in in some other way. Where do you find the best information about cancer and diet? Often I would suggest to people if they want a bit more information is to go to the Cancer Council website. They have some really great resources, recipes and information and also a really good support line if you're worried about a friend or a, a relative that has cancer and you're not sure if they're eating the right things or if you're worried about supplements that you're taking, the Cancer Council is a really good resource and really evidence-based. You can also book in to see a dietitian for that individualised advice and that would be my two main recommendations, otherwise I say steer clear of the internet. It can be very scary and it changes from week to week, month to month and that's why the group that we run is so good and it changes so frequently. We never have two groups the same because, you know, the information that out, is out there changes with it so we always like to discuss that in the group so people can share what they've heard and we can debunk it in a safe environment. The fads do change, they come and go but really our advice is that the general healthy eating advice doesn't change too much. We're always trying to stay up to date with the evidence but really it doesn't change too much. It's really about supporting people through their treatment and trying to aim for as balanced a diet as possible. It's really just providing your body with that support that it needs to get through the treatment and we know it can be pretty rigorous treatments. That's why we talk about the good day and the bad day and what to do in those situations. We know that the risk of cancer recurrence is quite high and that one of the things that we can do to, to lower that risk is to keep your healthy eating changes going and try to minimise weight gain as well. So there's things that people can be working on after they've finished treatment and a dietitian can certainly help set some goals after you finish your treatment as well. Anyone with a cancer diagnosis can request to see a dietitian or be referred to the BRIC dietitians. BRIC is the Ballarat Regional Integrated Cancer Centre. Most patients are screened for nutritional risk when they first start their treatments at BRIC. And if they've been eating less than about three quarters of their meals and have lost weight without trying in the last six months, they're automatically offered a referral to a dietitian. Our oncologists and nurses are also very good at knowing when to refer people to us if they have any concerns. At times, our allied health outpatient waiting lists in oncology can be really long. And that's why we encourage patients to come along to the group so that they can receive interventions in a timely manner when they need it most, rather than sitting on a waiting list when there's information that really needed to get to them. The group's called Oncology Why Wait for Wellness. We encourage anyone with a cancer diagnosis to come to the group at any stage of their cancer treatments. Ideally, it's best if they come along before they've even started cancer treatment, but they can come midway through, they can come afterwards, whenever it suits them to get the tools to help them manage that process of going through treatment and beyond. Often people 
come to the group midway through their treatment or post-treatment will say they wish they'd come sooner because it would have really given them some tools to get through that treatment much better. So we really encourage people to come along as early as possible. How does seeing a dietitian eliminate some of the side effects of treatment? It doesn't eliminate side effects, it just really helps to manage some of those side effects that you might be going through. In the group we often talk about what we have or what we call a menu for side effect management because we know that what works for one person won't work for the next person. So we spend a lot of time in the group talking about things like taste changes, nausea and vomiting and we share ideas of things that people have tried to help manage these side effects which are really common during cancer treatment and we encourage people to try different things different days because it can vary too what works for you one day what's not going to work the next. An example might be some people might find ginger really good for helping to manage their nausea whereas other people hate ginger and it makes the nausea worse. It's really just that trial and error with some of those things. Now normally most of us would celebrate losing weight but not during cancer. That's right. Unfortunately, we know that the body breaks down muscle mass before fat mass. So if weight loss is ongoing, cancer treatment plans may have to be shortened. People often become more fatigued and weaker and they're at increased risk of hospital admission. So it can be really serious. So really stopping that weight loss early on is the best strategy for getting through cancer treatment well. The oncologists are very switched on with weight loss and as soon as people have reached five percent we know that can have five percent weight loss we know that can have significant impacts on getting through cancer treatment so the oncologists are very on to that. Amy Smith is a dietitian at Ballarat Health Services. She's one of the team members at the oncology Why Wait for Wellness program designed especially to help cancer patients. But don't take our word for it. Take it from somebody who's consulted with one of these allied health professionals or attended the Why Wait for Wellness program. I was a little bit dubious at the start. It's all been very positive and I feel like a million bucks compared to what I was. Having some strategies put in place that I can use to get through when I'm feeling really low, that's, I guess, the best thing about it. I definitely say it was helpful in every way, even if you don't think it is at the start. I found out about nutrition and, and sleep and exercise. We did talk about exercise and it was good yeah, to interact and see. And you gave us some nice recipes as well. Psychologists have given me some great coping mechanisms to help, especially when times are tough, because they are tough through chemo. Oh, it's word going. It is word going a lot because you always learn to think it's worth it. It helps me muscles come back. Having the dietitians and uh, the physio people working together helps me to be able to get back to strength, eat right, and then just build up the nutrition I need to go through chemo. Putting to bed some myths that you'll hear and you read about cancer and what you can and can't eat, especially at a time when I was losing a lot of weight, was really beneficial to me because I was able to put weight back on after those discussions and different changes I was able to make in my diet about some of the myths about some of the foods that I was dodging, thinking that they fed cancer or they led to more cancer. And being reassured meant that I was able to really broaden my diet, which has helped me to put weight back on during chemo, which is not always easy to do. And helped with fatigue heaps. Even just being able to talk to you about things is help as well. So when I do get really anxious, anyone that's going through cancer would have those times. Just being reassured that it's a normal sort of thing and that I'm not alone and it's very important to take care of your mental health.
while you're battling this disease? The discipline of eating. Once you're living on your own, you tend to slip. You don't tend to pay the right attention to what you should be doing. The dietitians helped me to get back on the right track. They helped me with some good advice on that. You'll never regret it, but you must follow the, what they tell you. You've got to have a discipline to go along with whatever they're recommending. Follow that advice, whatever it is. I started it in the middle of my chemo and it definitely helped. So you should start as soon as possible. You have a tendency when you're going through chemo to just feel that you're too tired to do anything. There is that tendency to feel that chemo fatigue, I think it's called, and you just think you can't do anything. But if you seek out an exercise physiologist, they understand that sort of reluctance and also the fact that you do feel tired and will start you very gently. The Why Wait for Wellness program operates from Ballarat Health Services, but there might be a similar program that's close to you. I can highly recommend checking it out. If you've enjoyed this podcast, there are two more from the Why Wait for Wellness team. Psychologist Sarah McKinnon talks about how a psychologist can maybe help you feel a bit better, get more motivation and cut through some of the barriers that might be holding you back from making some changes. Exercise physiologist Tracy Duggan talks about exercise programs for cancer patients. And in our Cancer Survivor Guide series, there are podcasts about chemotherapy, radiation and some of the other help that might be available for you. I'm Penny Johnston, a fellow cancer survivor, and if you found this podcast helpful, why not follow up on some of their suggestions? Music